Hello and welcome to the All About Valley podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Kale Financial and Strathclyde House Buyers. Kale Financial are proud supporters of local communities and specialise in helping you protect what matters most for your family, your lifestyle and even your income. They have the cards. Kale Financial are now offering free wills regardless of whether or not you need any other service. Go check them out on the website www.kale-financial.co.uk or check them out on Facebook, Twitter or even Instagram. Strathclyde House Buyers are a local property solutions company who specialise in helping people sell their property quickly with no fees. If you or anyone you know are looking for a fast, stress-free sale, check them out on their website www.strathclydehousebuyers.com on Facebook or on Instagram. Right, so, the Euros there. Uh, this is the... The Euro Roundup show for all about Billy. We've got quite a stacked lineup here. <laughs> uh, two guys that talk about Scottish football, and some my guy that was on all the shows during the, all the summer, basically. Uh, aye, just whatever, whatever anybody will have, maybe. That's where I'll go. But uh, no, it's uh, it's great to have you all here, and um, I just thought we'd start by talking about what you, you, your own Euro experiences were like. So, you were obviously doing a lot of the shows at the fan zone. Mm-hmm. What was what was that like? Uh, the fan zone was good. The fan zone was kind of unrelated. Um, there is a, a comedy series that's been written. Um, the series is sort of underway, and I was involved in like a sort of tester sketch, which went quite well. Which loads of other things, but it's led to the series being made. So they were kind of already making that. So I just had a wee, a wee small part in it, which, which was fun. But more Euros related was the. Uh, Scotland HQ Live, which is like with the SFA and Tenants, which was good. Um, it's like they did a, a 13 hour show. So, Lewis, uh, do you know Lewis Irons? Yeah, yeah. Lewis is Amy's brother, and uh, he's, he- he's head of comms for the SFA. Um, he hosted it for 13 hours, but there was like guest hosts. So, I got to come in and do like an hour for that, which was good. Um, but it was, it was good fun. Um, so, I've loved it. I'm gutted that it's finished. Yeah, like, I'm yeah. so, so gutted because now I'm like, people are going, aye, the World Cup. I and I hear them like, well, I mean, track record, like it's not a guarantee that we're going to get it. I believe it started that great. Let's know, counter-chatting on that. I just enjoyed it so much. It was brilliant. I'm so sad that the tournament's finished. I Aye. loved it. Just in general for the Euros, I'm just sad it's done. Yeah. Like, I was enjoying it. I was just getting into the groove at all. And then I know, the it's finished. At least we could you, could you have picked a better ending? See, if you had to say to me, <laughs> what would be the best ending for English Heartbreak? I would have chosen to lose <laughs> penalties. Like, to Scotland, though, that would have been the perfect ending. I know, ending. I know that would have been the <laughs> better ending. Does it need to be realistic, the ending? <laughs> no, it doesn't no. always need to be. You know. <laughs> no, when you think about it, actually, it was one of the best Euros tournaments we've had in a while, I feel like. I think, it was, it. I think it's yeah. one of the best international tournaments. I, think. I mean, I'm only 21, so but mm. in my lifetime, there's been many, many better international tournaments than that. Maybe because Scotland were there right enough. But yeah, the only thing for me. for me was like the fans. Like I enjoyed watching the games yeah. at the Hungary, like in Hungary. Yeah, yeah. That was class because it was like nice. 60, 70,000 fans were in there, and I think that makes a, a big difference to even just viewing it. Just yeah, when you hear that, like, the reactions, and I think it gets like 5% extra out of the players, or even more as well. Definitely. For, like, for me, last season in general, just just didn't register. See, when I was watching it, even as a Celtic fan, like... I loved it, by the way. Uh, <laughs> even, like, as COVID tells don't count, mate. I, I know, but I was like, even when I was obviously gutted, I'm like, I would be hurting a lot more if this was kind of normal circumstances. Aye. There was just a part that felt really abstract. It's like, mm. you know, if a, if a tree falls in the woods, there's no to do to hear it, that kind of thing. Um, 
obviously still gutted about it, but so to have fans back, and I also liked how it seemed to be a gradual increase. Right, obviously not everywhere was full, but over the course of the tournaments, as if they kind of just went, fuck it, so nah, just I know, everybody I just felt like they stopped caring, didn't it? Like 60,000 in Wembley by the end, it was only, what, 10,000 yeah. at the start? Nah, <laughs> you exactly. just noticed the difference. They, just kind of like, ah, just they started calling them <laughs> test events, didn't they, in the UK? Like, yeah. if you go back to Hamden, they had 12,500 in, and now uh, we're only getting 2,000 into the stadiums. It's a bit a weird one, isn't it? Yeah, well, there's, loads of, there's been loads of noise about that. Is it know that, like, that's the sort of... That's the best. Yeah, that's mark. like the that's the bare minimum that you get, but then you need to apply to your local aye. council. But Hibs have already been rejected for six thousand two hundred, and Aberdeen, Aberdeen are applying for eight thousand, and, and it looks like they're going to be rejected as well. But <laughs> I don't know if it's just the friendlies, and then when it gets to like the start of the season and such, they, they increase it. I don't understand this though, because if they're saying we're going to, you know, it's just boring, boring chat. But I suppose it is relevant, but. <laughs> If they're saying that everything's going to be scrapped theoretically by like what August the 9th, mm. aye, what's fucking what difference does it make? I know exactly, I know. I know. it's like that's why I never go about the Euros. They're like, oh, one week, oh, we'll get 12,000 in them, like 2,500. You've already done the damage, and you've tested it out now. You may as well exactly. just keep going, mate. There's no point going backwards for the reason. That's there's so, there's so many inconsistencies where you're like, nah, what's yeah. the deal here? Like, what's that? question marks. None of it really makes any sense. Like, I'm just you a point there with it where you're like, where do you go with this whole thing? Mm-hmm. But back to the actual years, but talking about that, then we could talk about all that all day. As I'm sick, of it. I'm just hoping that, like, when we get to level zero, surely you'd think that they would start to. I mean, come on, mm-hmm. but anyway, um, team of the tournament, like, surprise team of the tournament, I should say. And I was going to say, I think, I think Denmark surely have got to be the team you'd, you'd say there. Especially given how they started it with Ericsson and all that, and then but you beat by Finland the first game, yeah. went to the semi-final, and then when you look at the semi-final, you think, well, actually they kind of get screwed out of that a wee bit, so they could have won that in penalties. So I would say Denmark for that. Ah, it was the first team that came in my head as well. I mean, obviously take into consideration what happened with Ericsson is, is massive. I think you can excuse them for losing the first couple of games, but rocked and that. But mm. see, after that, they, they really got going. They were one of the best teams to watch at the whole tournament. After that third game into the, the round of sixteen, they were really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you always. I feel like every tournament there's always one team that gets to the semi final stage, and you don't expect them to get there. I think every tournament's at least had one of them. Wales in the last. Wales at the last mm-hmm. one exactly. So it always seems to happen. Denmark done it this time. England this one. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, I feel really bad for them though because Sterling's. I think they were dead in their feet. You know, they, they, they were. They were really. They as were soon as the whistle point. went in the 90th minute, I knew I was like, no chance of them winning this because England looked alive. They looked dead in their feet. But I, I'd agree with you, Kieran. I think, I think Denmark for me is the biggest surprise. I think, especially after that first game, I thought they would have been パイナーバイクとビオネスあとあとあとあとあとあとあとあとあとあとあとあとあとあとあとあとあとあとあとあとあとあとあとあとあとあとあとあとあとあとあとあとあとあとあとあとあとあとあとあとあとあとあとあと
arguably the main man. Um, you look at the two, the nature of the two goals that they lost against England, and also the carry on with the penalty and the laser. It's it's like it could have it could have been a whole different story, and it, it just sums England up like how how fortunate would they have, like were they to get the whole way through? It was the same way when they got to the semis of the World Cup as well. It's like riding up your wave of Aye. just luck and good fortune. So. It was nice to see the baddies losing in the end because <laughs> <laughs> proper pantomime. I, I think man. you need luck to a certain extent, though, don't you? In, in major competitions, um, yeah. I'll go a wee bit different and go Italy because although they were getting into the tournament, like um, I think it was twenty odd games unbeaten in like two or three years, there was still the world still outsiders when you compare. Like when you looked at the odds, there was maybe four or five teams I think in front of them that people were fancying. And obviously they hadn't like turned up to a competition and put in the performances that they did since maybe 2012. And I think Bartelli, he was the one that carried them to, to that final, weren't he? But also I knew they were good going into it, but I never realised how good they were. Like I think they thoroughly deserved it. They yeah. were the outstanding team from start to finish. And yeah, like at the start I was looking at it and going, like, how many like world class players are in that side? You know, like top mm-hmm. three in their position in the world. Now you're maybe looking going four or five of them. Were unbelievable. I, I totally agree with that because I think nobody can claim to be an expert really on the form of any, you know, of every national team. Mm-hmm. And you tend to look at who are the who are the big names. We are looking at Kevin De Bruyne or Paul Pogba exactly. or Eden Hazard, like this type of thing, Kylian Mbappe, and you can get too sucked in with who is the best player, as you say, the top three in their position at that time, and, and overlooking the sort of team unit. And I'm not, I mean, the Atlee teams hardly feel like Championship League One players. No, still top <laughs> no, players. Not, players but it, there's not, there, there are only really, I don't think, no, many like the, box the office names. That, yeah. They touched on that after the final, the fact Mancini came in, he's kind of they bought into a new sort of system. He's picking players for, as they said, I think it was unfashionable teams. Mm-hmm. You know, he's picking mm-hmm. players for, for, for teams that would normally want to get a look in, which is something that obviously Scotland have been banging on about for years. Uh, he yeah. started doing it here in Italy, and, and players have bought into that. The country's bought into that, and he's changed the whole style of the team as well. They don't sit and play the cat and ash that they always have. They're playing it's actual football. Kind of similar to England's approach as well, because mm-hmm. we, you look at, you always talk about their golden generation, how they try and just shoehorn players in, and it didn't necessarily equate to then. Uh, a, a team that was going to go on and win things and uh, I think Southgate did it didn't he because right. there's a few because I, I don't know too much really about the England squad so I was talking to English pals of mine and saying I'm surprised he's went for did he go for right, uh, Rice and Phillips in the middle West Ham and Leeds yeah. Yeah. like that's really un, that's unusual I mean but in early times it's always been what Gerard Lampard uh, Scholes yeah, yeah, and Scholes, Scholes had pushed out to the left, uh, they? left and then <laughs> never played after that I know it's uh, crazy I think Southgate took like, a different approach because nothing was working for them anyway like when they were trying to fit all these like world class mm. players in so it went more defensive. It was almost like roles reversed. Like they uh, were doing an Italy this tournament. They were uh, so like negative, and even in the final, like I think the goal was probably the worst thing that could have happened to them because they went even more defensive. Like they were just sitting there, just waiting to be picked off. I was, was I slaughtered Luke Shaw just for his physique and everything. I was like, I can't believe this guy. <laughs> His first pick for Man United, England, three minutes in, they score, four minutes in, they score. Shift, okay. He can drop a shift for the size he is. Like, obviously, I watch United a lot. I like United, so I watch him week in, week out, and I love the guy. But he's, for that size, I can't believe that he's taking no beast. Do you know what I mean? He's When you look at world class fullbacks, they're all like nowadays, they're all proper trim and. It's a total given, isn't it, with an elite player that you're going to be. Zero percent body fat, Aye. and you're gonna just be able to run all day. And in, in the age of athleticism in the game, and he's just against it, but uh, he seems to to sort of 
contradict that, which I think is quite funny. And part of me really respects it. He's got a touch yeah. to the John Hartsons about him. Maybe that's just how he's, <laughs> he's, how he's obviously, built. He's just obviously put the work in. I think that's like, that's how he's built. He's done it looks, looks like something always different. If you look at Tyson Fury in boxing, like you wouldn't think he was fitter than Anthony uh, Joshua, like stamina wise, but he is. Aye. So aye. his diet must be quite poor. It, it, Who's Tyson? No, no, talking about Luke Shaw. Luke Shaw. Oh, Luke Shaw. <laughs> there's just no way he's built like that. If if he was here, yeah, the way he's supposed <laughs> to be, you wouldn't be built like that. I'm sorry, it's just Probably. impossible. I'm the last person to look at that. <laughs> <laughs> I actually thought that Luke Shaw's goal was probably one of the goals of the tournament. Aye. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> you see, you see touch of the John Hartsons, the finishes. It's John Hartsons, man. No, it was a great finish. Any particular goal stand out to you? Like, oh, the tournament is. Cal McGregor's against Croatia. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't even get, I was coming here the whole way here. Like, I was like, I seen the wee plan they've sent me. I was like, go to the tournament. I, like, I couldn't think. I didn't even think of Cal McGregor's. Yeah, no that, like, that, that for me it is, was. I'll, I'll remember that forever because I watched mm-hmm. it at the fan zone at the green. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember just saying, look. Oh, because obviously this was our last tie, and I was like, I just want to be able to celebrate a goal, and it was pandemonium. Like everybody just went mm-hmm. metal because it was like, did you just go to the fan zone? I never went. There. I never made it. <sighs> they were like the pure Gestapo. Like as soon as you moved, like telling you to you sit, sit down, down and all that, and it was funny. Like people went metal up on tables, running up, everybody's hugging, and the wee like security people are kind of like. Can I like do that? <laughs> generally, generally, it's like mate, leave it. You're like you're. It's not going to happen this time around. Yeah. Like just leave it. But uh, nah, that for me was the goal of the tournament. As much as it pains me to say this, I feel like the goal that the Chelsea scored against us was one of the best goals. <laughs> <of> the <time. laughs> I was just thinking, like when it comes to his skill, man, the the two goals that stick out to me were against Scotland, right. and the two of them I actually learned for goal of the tournament, like parted mm. chicks for mm. the halfway line, Modric, yeah. and also Modric. He's like, yeah. I was stuck between the two because I mm. think Modric was right it's up there just, because. It was Sorry. unreal, wasn't it? Like outside of the boot. Aye, but the audacity for uh, for the Czech Republic goal was just like to have in, in one of the opening games of the tournament, away from home, yeah. slightly hostile crowd, and you're trying that for half a million and pulling it off. Madness. It was sensational. David Marshall playing attack. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where was they going, man. He was in the Rangers <laughs> down there. <laughs> for me, it's a. I, I'm a fool for a free kick goal. I said Dom's guards for. Although I, thought Pickford, mm-hmm. although I thought Pickford, although I thought he was up. really, really good in the tournament, I thought his positioning was. It was, it was, but it, it was, was just, almost it was a proper like. It's a good hit though. Uh, the hit one is on the oh, I feel for a free kick goal. I love a dead ball goal. It was like I was stuck actually between that and do you know whose goal I really liked? It doesn't. I've not seen it get spoken about enough. Pogba against Switzerland. That was a cracker. Oh, oh that's a good shoot. Uh, I think it's one of the ones I thought as well. The one that made it three one, like about 25, 30 yards. That game. It doesn't even proper. It just hits it back and then it just folds his arms, doesn't it? It doesn't yeah. even move, just holds his arms. There's a couple of goals that stick out to me. That the one Christian scored against for Denmark was class eight because the importance of that as well. They really had to score that, that and it was just a pure class strike. But also, do you know that goal? It was a Ukraine um, Netherlands game and yeah, they were 2 0 down. And they, this guy, this Ukraine guy, just oh, called it right man. in the top corner. It was unbelievable. Forgetting his name, Jan Malenko. It was, it was, that was such was a good goal. Um, so I, I felt like they deserved mentions, but I like. See, he scored for 45 yards out. And see, the more I watch it, the more I think, see, even if Marshall was back further, I still think it may have actually had a shot of going in. It was that good. It was that, it was, but the, the finishing was precise. Like, yeah. You can't hit that any bit. I don't know how he managed it. It's, as you say, if Marshall was even further back, it's a surprise element because 
you've got two seconds to deal with it. Aye. And in those two seconds, you, no way are you anticipating that he's trying that. It was, it was, <laughs> I think just for the cheek of it, I would give him the goal of the tournament. Like, yeah. you you you're hard done by if you score for your own half, <laughs> whatever it was, and you still don't play. What do you need to do to win the tournament? It's a roof against Tiggy, isn't it? You know, like, it's the same situation. Mm-hmm. Because normally the goals are like you see it kind of bounce and go in, but this guy rifles it in I the know. top corner. I mean, I, it's, I could talk about it all day. Like, see, as I was watching it back, I was like, I can't believe the goal of the tournament was against us. Bet, <laughs> just had to be, didn't it? I watched it in my, in my office building. There's like a communal area, there's like a cafe, and, that, and they set something up. Aye. And ended up just watching the first game there, and they brought pies for Greg's, and like a bit of my pie fell out my mouth because I was pure, <laughs> just open mouth. I was like, he's not just done, like he's not just done that. I'm giving it. I think we can get ourselves back in this game and all that. And I think we can go on and win it. And then I just was like, nah. Oh, we, were, we were watching the given. We had David obviously for the podcast sitting watching. Oh, he was fuming, wasn't he? Oh, David, he, was he, was he was raging. He was raging. He wasn't having it with Marshall's position, and he couldn't. Oh, he was getting through to him. That he was a wee bit too far. He was like. Modern day goalkeeper, he's going to be that far. Oh, <laughs> Do you know, I was more annoyed at Jack Henry for trying to shoot. So was I at the time. I well, was at the I time, but then I flipped because I'm thinking to myself, he's shooting for like 25, 30 yards. It shouldn't result in the back he's in there. I understand, right, why somebody would you would initially be annoyed at that, but that happens all the time. I like, know, I know. players have shots, players sometimes make decisions that. And an, even in an isolated instance, wasn't it the best decision? But it's kind of like, I don't know, say somebody like sneezes, right? And you get a fright and you, you jump onto the road and get hit by a car. You can't really be annoyed at that guy for sneezing. It's like such a, an innocuous, wee trivial thing that in isolation isn't that big a deal, but has went on to have like this bigger, bigger more reverber- like reverberating impact. So I think a bit harsh on Henry, to, to be honest. It was just at the time, like, because I, I, I... You were going to have your nine, I was going to have my Henry at the time, because I, I hadn't yeah. realised yet. It, was, it took me about three hi- highlights to realise where Marshall was. So at first I was just like, oh, Hendry, I can scream at him. I'm like, why are you shooting for there? And then, so then like, it took me a couple of years and I was like, I can't really blame him. It took me like two hours <laughs> or not to realise how far Marshall was up and see a screenshot from behind the goal. Quite funny. It's like, I imagine just as Hendry's about to sort of swing his leg back and shoot he's probably having visions of like top corner hammed in eruption it's sort of like a you know that record scratch Aye. freeze frame and it's like mm-hmm. then obviously what goes on to happen he's Aye. probably thinking this isn't he how I saw this panning out he just got a wee bit too ahead of himself because about two minutes previous he hit the crossbar remember that's right. Totally backs up what you're saying about how important luck is to carry through, yeah. whether it's a game or a or a tournament, because if that had gone in or if we'd taken some of the early chances against the Czech Republic and against Croatia and against and England, England you, you know, the, the, there were a few of you like if that was just a few centimetres wider, if you didn't get that block in there, you know, we could have ended up, we could have won the Euros. Like, Aye. that's yeah. it, we could have won the Euros if we won, <laughs> if we won the so <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying. That's what I've been saying about time. It'd be mental that we'd have just won the Euros if we started Billy Gilmore in the first game. I'm going to just start <laughs> adopting that logic by the way. I'm just like, people, I could have beat Anthony Joshua <laughs> in like a world title I could, fight. I could have been up front for sale. <laughs> I could, I could have run marathons, but I don't know. Had to get some voltage in there. So. <laughs> I know. No, but see, as we're talking about Scotland, right, I've been thinking about this. What do you think is we need to do from here to progress further? Like, because we're looking at the squad, you're thinking it's a very young squad, we've got a decent thing going on. Mm-hmm. But it seems like we were hesitant to 
get on the ball at times. And but that's what Billy Gilmore kind of brought into me. He was sort of the surprise player. I knew that he was good, but I didn't. I didn't expect him to be as good as he was at Wembley. Uh, you know, I think what is required is just standard experience, both on an individual level and collective. Individual in terms of players being not being overawed um, by the occasion because it's massive, and I think it is something that you just have to go and experience it. So then the next time around, you're like, "I'll oh, be a minute. We've done this before. It's not that big a deal. Just go and play your game." And collectively, that experience would would amount to you know the players being used to each other, how each other how they play because they have had lesser experience because it's mm-hmm. qualifying games and friendlies and it's obviously not going going brilliantly well but they've now had a solid what five six maybe seven weeks together and that that experience is invaluable and i think then going forward you know it's the same as any team they have to just kind of get used to each other and and how they play and and, and building up that sort of connectivity or the fluidity in the way that they play and i that's i mean that's what i would say i don't know what you think I don't think that Steve Clark's going to change his style of play. Like it's it's nah. worked for him up until this point. I think he's always going to be more defensive minded. Um, but I always think Scotland play a wee bit better when he does let them go and express themselves a wee bit more. Like I always go back to the World Cup qualifiers just gone by when we went behind versus Austria, let them go and express themselves. I thought we were the better team in the second half and he did the exact same versus Israel. I thought we were the much better team in the second half when he let the players actually go out yeah. and express themselves a wee bit more. So... Maybe just adding a wee bit more attacking impotence into it. Um, I also think, although I really like Che Adams, we're maybe lacking a world-class striker. Could you imagine just having like a top number nine? Like mm-hmm. You look at some of the top teams, like top um, international teams, they have that guy up top, and we don't really have immense quality. We, we've got a lot of quality, but it's more than the mid- it's so that, packed in that midfield. I still don't like I still don't think they had bad tournaments. I just think maybe they were like I'd maybe like to have seen Jay Adams start in the first game and then Dykes was more suited to England. They did really mm-hmm. well. Like I don't think that any of the guys let themselves down. You to be honest, but it's just how you use them and aye. such. You made me then what what I've literally just said about luck. If luck had been on our side, maybe luck isn't the right word, maybe it's quality. Like mm. you were saying, if we had that quality, the then fight, aye, they would have taken... Because some of the chances, you're like, come on, man. You need Even to be burying these. Some of them, they were going with like their, their left foot or their right foot. Yeah. Maybe they could go with their, you know, their, yeah. their, their yeah. other foot. Yeah. John McGinn one sticks, sticks to mind as well. Um, in the, the, Croatia, man. the Croatia game. Um, and then even, I think, Czech Republic at the back post. It was floated in and he he- tried headed it and find Dykes. So... It could be experience as well, and mm. I think that that will be like this experience would have been invaluable for them going Aye. forward, and hopefully, like they can carry it into the World Cup qualifiers because we're going to need big performances versus Denmark and the Austrians, who were really, really good in the, in the tournament, weren't they? So it's tough when you realise that that is the next couple of fixtures are pretty, yeah. pretty grim, isn't it? I don't expect much against Denmark. <laughs> I feel like we're constantly swimming against the tide, man. You feel like Aye. they're getting somewhere, and then it's like, no, we're yeah. up against. See the worst part is about that draw. I still remember it at the time. That's one of the most favourable draws we can go. But this, this Euros has changed the whole perception on it because at the time I was like, ah, Denmark, Austria, we can beat them. Yeah. And then they go at that. Like, even Austria were decent enough, man. Really good. Yeah. So you watch both of the Euros and go, maybe haven't they got a decent enough draw? Mm. It changes just like that. It does. Just it constantly views like ties against us. I feel like the best we can hope for it sometimes. Well, is I don't want to play down our chances or, or do the team a disservice, but a couple of. Neg- uh, positive COVID tests for the opposition would be 
quite nice. I've been hating it. I know when you yeah. play the game, like, I hope you're alright. Like, hopefully they're asymptomatic, like, they're alright, <laughs> but I hopefully a couple of you positive tests gives a wee boost. Exactly. It didn't help us with Billy Gilmore yeah. having that oh, sensational game at England and then he can't play in the net. You know what I mean? And we also had the seven boys before it, including some of our top players like John McGinn that had to self-isolate and such, so, my God. It is a bit mad how, you know, we just, when you, when you look at the luck, the, how the first game went, and then Billy Gilmore comes in and does so well, yeah. and he's the one guy that tests positive for it, you're like, anyone Don't else? Do you know what I mean? I, I, I still swear it was, it was me, it's my fault. I, we went, we, were, we were down in London, I drank everything, we were down in London, and uh, for the England game, blah, blah, next day he went to Stamford Bridge, and this is before the news broke, he got COVID, we went to Stamford Bridge, I got a photo of his shirt. Next day, bang, COVID. I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> so now we know, it's on you. <laughs> it's on me. It is my fault. I jinxed the 10, I jinxed this, I jinxed that, I jinxed everything. Because even the other night, honestly, put a message in the chat. See, as soon as, do you remember right at the start of the final, um, Maguire passed it back to the keeper? Oh, well, you were saying in the, the corner, podcast. In the group chat, I put, they're looking worried. <laughs> and literally, 10 seconds later, Luke Shaw back in there. I was like, I'm talking, I put my phone in. Dez, I feel like shot for this. You can't, mate. You can't, I cannot. See, talking about the final, right? Um, when you actually look at the way that all played out, something that's really interesting to me is the fact that Italy looked like they were for the first ten minutes. See the halftime analysis for the for the English people and all that. You're, you're listening to it and you're going, "Are you watching the same game as me?" Because after the first ten minutes, Italy were all over. Them. I thought. I thought England started well. First, as you said, first five ten minutes, I was looking at it. And I was going, "Zero." I thought Italy looked too slow. They were scared. I think maybe for the it took them until maybe the twentieth half hour mark or something for Italy again, but certainly for the like the kind of last portion of the first half, Italy started to get into it a lot more, and Italy then that's when sorry when England started dropping back a lot further. Like they were, you could see that they were starting to prepare themselves, and I think it was a good sign for the second half for it in terms of Italy. Like they knew that England were starting to maybe worry a wee bit, and they were sitting that bit deeper. So. I, I, it's just England, English see, coverage. Yeah. See, in games where if I've got an emotional investment, like obviously I was desperate for Italy to beat <laughs> them, but for games where I'm emotionally invested, I'm the worst person to kind of recap how it went. <laughs> because either I'm just like, no, nah, we were brilliant, we were mm-hmm. amazing, and that's it. Or I'm so worried and I'm so panicking that I'm th- I'm then thinking the opposition are better than they were. Because see, when I looked at the stats of the England-Italy game, I was like, what game did I watch here? Because mm-hmm. I thought England were... The, the most dangerous I thought they were creating the, the clearest chance I know stats can be misleading yeah. but I thought England were creating the most chances but on reflection I'm looking at possession shots everything passes and I'm like it seems as if it, like, based on this Italy have absolutely bartered them yeah, yeah I think Italy deserved it didn't they as uh, a whole but I go back to what I said I think the goal that they scored didn't do them any favours because they became even more defensive than they already were you. they'd already like um, made a tactical change and taking Saka out of the starting 11 who was one of the standout Absolutely. players and bringing yeah. in Trippier so straight away they went even more defensive and when they got the goal they sat back and they, they allowed Italy to, to get on the ball to their detriment I think I think I thought going into the final um, it was a 50-50 because See, when I watched the semis, although I thought Italy's a better team, I thought they looked really, really tired and Spain popped the ball about, mm-hmm. whereas in the Denmark game, England were the ones controlling it, so I thought fatigue could have been the equaliser going into, going into the game. Yeah. But I was just so glad, obviously, Italy came, they showed up, and as you say, they just, after the first 15 minutes, the Jorginho started getting on the ball, second half, Chiesa was incredible, he got injured, but... He was so good up until he did get injured and caused aye. him so many so problems, didn't he? It wasn't until it was almost like once Benucci scored as well, England went, Oh, 
Like we better do something here. <laughs> it was it really was, and then that's when they started to to bring on some of their attacking players. Like I genuinely still think as well, like if they had tried to build on that early goal and still approached the game the same manner and yeah. not went like super ultra defensive, they maybe could have got the second goal. But it's all hindsight at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah. It's well, you're a Rangers fan, so it must have been weird supporting that game. Oh no! <laughs> let's, let's, not, let's not have the prejudice in here. I was supporting. I've got Scotland topo, and I was. Uh, <laughs> I did that later win. I had. I took bookings as a bet in the game as well. So I walked past the window and I helped God save the Queen boy. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, we'll see. There's been a lot of talk about this. First of all, that tackle on Saka was. I thought. Everybody keeps going on about how that was a red card. The on that. Short pull. But yeah. Uh, Why are you debating it? It's like people like, I don't know, Jeremy Vine and like the I Loose know. Women panel saying it should have <laughs> been a red card. People, 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 who watch, people that watch football once every two years, there's literally uh, people yeah. saying it's a red card. I watched somebody put up a compilation of the best tactical fouls. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I was actually like proper pissing myself <laughs> laughing at some of them. There was one, uh, what game was it? I think it might have been in La Liga. Some of them were just so funny. Yeah, like, oh, there's one for a couple of years ago, it's that boy plays for Real Madrid um, oh, I can't remember his name midfielder yeah. Yeah. Barca throwing goal and, was a, that, I, I, and apparently Sergio Ramos was it was uh, uh, oh, it's Varane uh, just uh, halves him uh, uh, somebody in Ramos shouts at that Kill him, mate. And uh, he goes right through him. That one was a red card, but it was a red card. There's a good one at Man United. It was like 98. And Ole Gunnar Solskjaer absolutely smashes somebody. And it's just what I love is like, if you're looking at where the ball is, where the attacker is, the defender should be running in a certain line to try and get behind the ball. Oh. But instead, he's just making a beeline for the man. <laughs> for the man. And it's just the funniest thing ever. And he like, absolutely hooks on. So, the last person you'd expect for that. I know. It seems I, so I nice. Know. It's, uh, I think he's got a ruthless side to him. Oh, I, to- I totally he does. Has, has he? He's got a proper... I think he's got a presence. Like, some people say he's not, but I think he has. When, when really people do. talk about him not being hard enough, all his teammates are like, "What are you talking about?" This so shy. Even like th- th- they always talk about when a new player came in, Keane used to absolutely smash the ball into their feet like a terrible pass, just to see how they reacted. Aye. And like so shy, I did the same. And I can't remember somebody came in and so shy. It's so shy. I was like, "We paid twenty five million for this shit." Like <laughs> you don't expect it coming from him. That you know he's just got it. Annoyed, does he? Well, he was obviously a, a winner, you know what I mean? But I don't know how we ended up in that, that discussion there. <laughs> but the, 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 what was that? What was I going to say? There? See the actual, when you look at that. The Saka challenge. Uh, the Saka ta- the challenge. Uh, the thing about that, that I don't, when people are talking about it, what's not been spoken about is the fact that that, if you understand football, that is such a brilliant tactical foul. Because mm. it's away. And it's, it's, it looks like he's going to be a clean angle when he just takes them out. I Aye. love that. It you don't see that anymore. See if it, if it was done to one of your players. I would be like, and, and there was a chance he's maybe going to go through and score. I'd be spitting pure hate and oh, rage. Yeah, yeah. I'd and be phoning the post trying to get him I'd be like, I'm here to report an international war crime. Yes. <laughs> but you kind of have to go, well, that's kind of the rules that he got booked. Aye. If he was on a book and all that. Yeah, already. first of like, I didn't think it was obviously a red card, but see, when it happened, I was like, oh my God, he's going to get sent off. Yeah, I, I think it's just because it seems so extreme. Aye, yeah. it's, so it's because of the angle, even the normal broadcast angle, you see the shot actually. Oh, I was like, oh no, I, was, I feel the worst. I was like, going to get sent off. It would have been funnier like, if his shot had ripped and then that was like aye. the last in images. Well. He still got away with it. Big well, the, the, the bad thing about it as well that people don't talk about is he actually he keeps it in his hand. Mm. Saka just before that is he? I don't even know that. So, uh, right. when you watch it back pull, to be fair he does definitely handball but I think it's the foul that potentially causes him to do that but mm. I don't know 
So I just think that like there's because you see English people talking about how we've been robbed and all that. You mm. shouldn't have even been there. It's anyway. just for the, the, the dive anyway, isn't it? So ah, exactly. That is enough. true, and that's like robbing a bank and then somebody robbing the money off you and then complaining about it's it. Like <laughs> it's, just, it's, anyway. it's just so typical though, because you know, they've been greeting for years about Maradona and all the rest of it, and then they do that, and then even like you back to 66, Bob didn't even cross exactly. When it suits them, you know, and I, I, I suppose if we if it was in our situation, we'd probably be the same, let's right. be honest. We'd, but we'll never really been that, that opportunity. Um, but it's just so it just annoys me. It's like make your mind up, he's, he's allowing it, he's no, it just you can't be both a victim and perpetrator like yeah. one yeah exactly so let's go to the penalty shootout because there's been a lot of debate about the fact that three very young English players took the penalties and, and Roy Keane was saying how if I was there I wouldn't be letting them go in front of me and all that and so I'm, I've been thinking about this and I think that the, you know if you're Sterling you know or Grealish you should be wanting to go up there first but apparently Southgate made the call and it really confuses me because why would you bring on three guys like two, well, two guys just before the like to come on and kick a penalty and like the most pressurized circumstance ever when they're not even these guys are like 21 19 sack it is and it just seems such a, a weird decision for Southgate mm -hmm. to make what did you make of that well I think for Saka it was it was a bit strange but I think Rashford and Sancho are two established heavyweights mm -hmm. in, in the world game in terms of just purely from a physical and mental perspective though it is unusual because people know in any type of sport you need to get, it's just getting your head into it and just kind of being in the groove of the game and it's very difficult to come in you've not been part of it you're not as warm as you'd like to be alright people say you'll be fresh but it doesn't really work that way um, so that was kind of my first thing when I think that's that's really strange like at least then give them the half hour to, to, to fully get into the game or bring them on at the tail end of the, the, the 90 minutes Um with the Saka one, it was it was strange. They've obviously made the call. Mm. In a sense, do you think Gareth Southgate's probably sitting there going, who knows more? Me, who's, who's with these guys every single day, <laughs> or you that are sitting, like, you know, people taking a drink of their can of Stella and be like, Southgate, get that wrong. Is that, well, I'm still, but I must admit, I was, I was, I was pretty, I thought it's Roy Keane going to spot on. I, I know it's, it's so hard when Southgate knows these guys. You know, I, I just... I, don't, I just feel like there's so many players there you can say but do you want to go to get as well do I, do, to talk See, about the, like the actual subs though like he wasn't going to bring them on earlier because he was petrified they were oh, like, doing them aye. because he, Rashford came on at right back aye. you know so that's <laughs> That's why, he, and he made a sub at um, a corner as well. And I was like, ah, Jesus, they're going to score mm. here, and they almost got you the flick. You know, it's the shootout, so now these centre halves are stepping up. Like, I know, that's annoying me. Know, that's like, Although Harry Maguire uh, did break the camera. <laughs> I know, I know. Like, what no, see if it works, they scored a penalty, fair enough, because Benucci scored in two shootouts. I think he, I mean, he might have scored in the first one, the first shootout. Benucci, aye, yeah. Aye. I know they, get, they step up sometimes and score them, they but like, surely the guys who are strikers and, and midfielders the ones who are meant to strike uh -huh. the ball and shoot they'll probably never answer it or probably never explain Grealish it has has he what did he say he what he does is I told the gaffer I would want him and it was in response to Roy Keane obviously calling him out he was like I told him and he made the decision and mm. I think that that is something that um, Southgate's made a lot of kind of big decisions in the tournament so I think when it came to the penalties the players were just entrusting to that mm. although the Saka I still think was very strange in putting him fifth but listen he put the trust in him and ultimately it didn't work out um, what I'm thinking as well and see the guys that he brought on and we'll talk about freshness and how it doesn't mm -hmm. really work like that I know Rafa Benitez worked after that in the Champions League final 
when uh, in Istanbul, Aye. when he had the like say Haman hitting a penalty, and his theory behind that was they're going to be fresh. I don't know how true that is and such, but John Arisa missed that day, so I don't know if Southgate was trying to harm the season or Rafa Benitez or whatever. <laughs> but to be fair, we were arguing, hindsight, we and were, it never worked. We so. were arguing about it in the group chat, like no, arguing about it, we were debating in the group chat just before it all happened. And my my pal was like, why are you bring, why are people are just stone taking penalties? And I think the majority of us were on the side of that Rafa Benitez stuff. Like, oh, surely the fresh legs have got a better chance of getting a clean hit behind it. It's one kick, isn't it? It's, it's one kick. Rashford changed his run up, mm-hmm. like, and he, he usually smashes it, doesn't he? I, Go back to PSG one. Where he absolutely smashes it and calling it, always smashes it, really, so really strange. precise. And he tries it's to not, be not, too clever. Sancho, I've never seen hit a pin, but. When Rashford did that run up within two seconds, you're like, he's missing this. I know. Because why is he stopping? Yeah. Yeah. Was he was doing? My dad was he never does it. I felt if there's anybody I didn't want to miss it, it was him. That was my guys, my felt dad terrible also, for him. My, my, me and my dad both like Man United. Yeah. And he loves Rashford because everything he's obviously done in the past year and that. And he was like, he's a one player, I just want to see score. I don't care how the result goes. Aye, I don't want him totally. to miss. My dad was shouting at my sister. He's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Can you actually imagine the pressure no. that you would feel? See if I go to like, see if I'm at the pictures and I go to the toilet. <laughs> I start pure overthinking the way I'm walking. Because <laughs> I'm like, oh, these people are out there. And then I feel the pressure. And then I get out and I'm like, Phew. I start overthinking. <laughs> I start overthinking going up for the ticket in case I actually <laughs> like film or something. <laughs> and then like, man, I can't. And then I need to go and do that again. But I'm going back up, like pure conscious, like, right, just left, right, left, right, left, right. So imagine that long walk and then your knees would be. Giving way. See, that happens in Parkhead all the time. See, you go to like get a pie or something. You go for a, like a, a smoke in the stairs, and you're walking down. You've got all these steep steps, and people are all sitting there. Like, oh, fuck, I don't fall. <laughs> see, what well, I thought one of the best penalties in the show. I thought was when the Italian guy even right down the middle. Aye, because you know I used to play as a goalkeeper on my knees and, and goals right. And um, one of the things that I've always remembered is anytime anyone was taking a penalty. I was always going, I'm going left or right. Yeah. <laughs> I was never thinking, I'm going to stay in the middle of the goals. So if you're caught up in that situation, just blast it down the middle when the I keeper's f- always going to move. I felt yeah. like Pickford was always diving low as well, as well as mm. going left or right. So you're like, I know it's easier saying down, I'm like, just smash it in the top corner. <laughs> <laughs> like, and then it'll be in. That was some good pens. Was, and the thing with Saka as well, right, is I understand that Southgate may have had a plan when he went in and thought, I want these guys to take the penalties. But see, when you look at the way it unfolded and you go, this, if he misses this, we're, we're, uh, we're out. And you're like, this guy's 19. But, like, in that moment, I feel like somebody's got to say, we need to change this because we don't want, you know, if he misses this, all this heat to go on this 19-year-old boy. Mm. Do you know mm. what I mean? Like, So I understand they had a plan, but I felt I... like the situation called for a... Audible, well, see, so to be fair, see, I thought, see, see, they probably think, probably thought he wasn't taking one when Jorginho was stepping up because if mm-hmm. there was one player I thought was scoring his penalty, maybe apart from Kane, because I knew he'd score his, would be Jorginho. He's just brilliant at them the way oh, he's been running up, mate. But he changed it, like Rashford Aye. did. He didn't dare to be hopping the skip, no, that. He just went up, bang, Pickford saves it over the post, and then like that. Like, if I was sacked, I'd laugh, I'm done. <laughs> Although, see, if you have got something about you and you want to be the best at your sport, and, and your manager comes up and tells you, right, you're going fifth. And Saka should be sitting there going, right. I know it's like so special ones with like, that. All right. I know it's like that, that's, the, that's, the that's the kind of story you hear ten years later about like why no Messi is like uh, why he wanted, he wanted that, to take he wanted to take that penalty. That's how good he is, you know, that's uh, the kind of thing that you always hear like ten years down the line. Yeah. They thrived on that pressure, you know, that stuff. I know but then the fact that it was actually in Wembley and the whole the amount of pressure that was on England to win that, it's just 
It's really quite, I mean, I loved the way it went down to be fair. So, yeah, it was, you just, honestly, you couldn't have written it better if you were to say to me, right, where do you want it to be? Right, Wembley, I want to be lose yeah. at Wembley. <laughs> and, like, what do you want the pundits to be like? I'm like, I want to be pure, proper, gung-ho, jingoistic, like, we're too good for these. Like, Ferdinand, Ferdinand, Ferdinand was made I, I really like, like Ferdinand as well, but it's yeah. just like, even, see, if you really thought that, I'm just so perplexed as to why somebody who's experienced this is making those statements, knowing know. that they, like, f- football's a funny old game and all that. That it's was when they start back, back on it, they don't want to go back on it, do they? It's when they start saying it, they're like, right, well, I've got to buy into it now, and they dig themselves too deep. Good. Then, it was absolutely boom. brilliant, man. Unless uh, it was producer-led, you know what the producer's I couldn't make my mind up. We were on the train back for Liverpool on Sunday, we were talking about it, and I was like, I don't know if I want to get absolutely battered, like, four or five nil, just sheer, like, oh, we are rotten before we're good or penalties I was like it's stuck between the two yeah. with the one I'm so happy it was like that uh, you, you want that me think they're so close because then it's more painful that way. Uh, yeah it's crazy the hope that kills them in it we're sick minded you're <laughs> shattering <laughs> Friday <laughs> or not <laughs> as much as we enjoyed that and it was a great tournament it kind of ended on a sour note afterwards mm. because obviously there's been a lot of backlash and, and a lot of racism going on because I seen I seen a, a tweet right that really Shot me from a, a, a mum that had uh, texted a black son saying you need to go home tonight because saw that as well. Yeah, see, but the see, but the the players yep. that were all black, and it just made me think like I can't believe we're still having to. Somebody actually had to say that to their son to come home because I, of that. I think like not to take it. Not that I think politis, uh, speaking politically is a bad thing, but not to take it. Uh, too far down a political route but the government are re- responsible for that over a long period of time and it's pure dog whistle racism you know they, they, they blow the whistle and then they're surprised when a, a a rabid dog responds in the way that the sections of the British public do when they, they display their, their overtly emboldened racist tendencies and the fact that they were calling you know taking any um, he called it I mean I fucking cringe using this term but woke politics he called it pantomime stuff right, and yeah. then they're surprised now, and, and there is an argument or a conversation to be had about whether they take anything as a, a sort of vacuous symbolic thing that actually achieves nothing you know in lieu of actually taking steps to improve society and eradicate racism but I think to turn around and say nah 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 it's just bullshit mm-hmm. and then to be to pretend to be horrified it's like well yeah. you, you fucking caused nah, no, this exactly. no. and, and that you know that's so a lot why of the, a lot of the guys have been spawned with that you've seen Tyrone Mings he came out and he was yeah. that like pretty Patel wasn't it and he yeah. came out and he was like well you don't you're get part of the, you're part of the problem you yeah. the fire uh, Gary Neville he I don't mm, know if you've seen yeah, that yeah. he, was, he went right for it but yes, you know I've got a Prime Minister who referred to Muslim women as t- uh, letterboxes and all the rest mm. of it. these guys are as responsible as talked about black people this. with watermelon smells that's right it's I, just, like, it's, this, is, this is the kind of stuff that encourages the nation to be as bad because yeah. they're oh, at the very top are, are the people, most, people yeah. used to be petrified to, to show the, 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 that sort of racist um, side to themselves but now it's I would say is I'm not saying I think it's acceptable Aye. but uh, you can argue that it is mm-hmm. because that's because there's never any consequence you've got people in power you've got people that are going constantly unchecked because they're, they're, they're feeling they feel safe they feel secure that if, if the powers you know the very top top level of, of government are, are, are you know saying these things and taking these stances then why shouldn't I exactly. and mm-hmm. that's why because we never people will say it's social media and stuff wasn't it this bad? I don't remember it being this bad ten years ago. No, or even, or even Honestly, five years ago. I was thinking as well, like in my conscious adult life, this is the worst than the highest it's ever been because I don't know if it's always Horrendous. in your face. And then um, there was people saying on social media as well, like I'm not surprised that that was the first thing people did after these 
guys miss penalties. The fact that you're being racially abused for missing a penalty in a football match is just, yeah. I know it's, it's, it's crazy, it's fucking it's like, it, it, but and It feels terrible to say, it just felt like there was that, it, it was always going to happen sort of thing. Like, oh, it's just, you just knew it was coming a mile mm. away. Like, it, I, there's so many people I know on Twitter, personal group chats, private chats and everything, that the first thing I say was, the more I'm on them, there's going to be their Instagram messages are going to be on Twitter, and we're going to see what's happening. I, I never, th- I never thought that. I thought they would be written. You know, I thought they would write London and stuff. Aye. Um, and that didn't even occur to me. So I was really, just, I don't know why I'm still shocked or taken aback. I Aye. think it's just if you look at things through the prism of your own values, that you just think, well, why would that? Why would that why be would the that first happen? thing that would occur to something? Yeah. And then when you see it, you go, oh wait, aye, this is what always happens. And then you've got Instagram saying that it's perfectly acceptable to send people the monkey oh. emoji and that doesn't contravene mm. their, their community rules, so oh, fucking yeah. change them then. I know, exactly. it's just it's <laughs> as simple as that, isn't it? It's, 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 I know he, it was a Boris has maybe meeting with him on or it, but I, I feel like... tell him to fuck off. I, I just feel like expect the same stuff to go on. I just feel like nothing ever changes, nothing ever happens. I'm not doing enough. You think that over the past 12 months, that was the time for it to happen, and now it's just fucking... Mm-hmm. Keep stopping on itself, up, man. Just constantly there. Feels like Constant. it's, it feels like it's went from being the minority to more and more people. Like it just back to what you said there. You start your own values, and you think, how could anyone think that? And then you you just feel like you're seeing this more and more. It's becoming a because that wasn't even like like you're saying. It wasn't even that surprising to see that these guys were wrestlers, despite the fact that they're getting they got England to the final at Wembley, and Rashford is literally fed. Children all over all across England, you're like, mm-hmm. what more do you need to do? do uh, exactly, I mean? but, and and that obviously is worthy and deserving the respect. But th- there's one thing, I don't care what they've done for charity. I don't care, um, and obviously I've seen this sort of yeah, tongue in cheek, yeah, but I don't, I don't care what they've done for charity. I don't care how many kids he's fed. I don't care what kind of role models they are. Those are not the reasons that they're deserving no, of human respect. Exactly, like exactly. they're deserving of human respect for the fact that there are the same as you and I ah, exactly. and it kind of there's a something slightly and I know people are coming for a good a, like a place of goodness but when I see people saying but he's done this and that and you're like it's, 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 it's irrelevant now. that because, shouldn't yeah. be the, the, the because if it, was any us, if it was any us sitting on this table it would be the exact same situation mm-hmm. like, you know it's, it's just does, everybody um, deserves you know the respect. whole like, it's, it's such an overplayed joke or cliche now but the whole oh Andy Murray's he's British when he wins but he's Scottish when he loses mm-hmm. and that's a kind of Jokey to a, to an extent, but for these guys, it's like, well, you're an English, a proud Englishman when you win, but you're just one of them when you lose, and it's it's absolutely horrendous. It's well, you're exactly right because it doesn't matter if Rashford, Rashford could be the biggest prick of the world. It shouldn't he shouldn't be getting racially abused? Exactly, no. it's, um, so it's it's you know it's neither here nor there what he's done for charity, but it it does make you wonder what kind of low life do you need to be that that doesn't it say you do have those weird racist opinions you have to be extra horrible and really entrenched in hatred and evil to overlook I know those things it's fuck these people basically yeah, exactly. scum, scumbags to the highest order, oh, yeah, that's what it is well because they actually had the English team as well come out and say look, look we're doing this they clarified the reason they're doing it. We're doing this to 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 fight against racism. And everybody, they made that perfectly clear that this is why they were doing it. Were they taking the knee? Yeah, why they were taking the knee. And then um, Boris Johnson comes out and he wrote an article saying, "Yeah, you can boo them. It's fine. It's this is all." Yeah, the prime minister said that. And here's the thing: I didn't see, even see that, but I'm not. I'm not like this. Isn't it's not about 
The problem with people when we talk about politics is, that, oh, are you what side are you on with this? It's not about it's not about what party or what your politics are. It's about human rights. Do you know what I mean? That's that's the human issue. Human decency. Yeah, nah, human decency. And it's like, what are we? What? Why are we still? It's, it's mad that we are talking about like a great tournament where like everybody was choking to get back to watching football, and mm-hmm. it was really fun to watch. But then it ends in such a sour note. It's just you wonder what we can do about it. I seen somebody saying. What they're doing with Instagram now, where they where they have the the COVID thing come up every time somebody uh-huh. talks to them. Why can't we highlight like and highlight you know, abuse yeah. when it comes up like that? Mm-hmm. You can only surmise that they just don't care. Yeah, yeah. So it's, just, yeah. it's just a flat. It's an umbrella. They don't care because if they did, they, they would fix it. They don't want to like take responsibility for it. Basically, you look like, at they're basically putting it out there. I think a lot of these social media outlets and saying, right, well, we are not really policing it to a certain extent. Um, See where they no, they, they should. The Super League thing, that's a good comparison. When you look at the outrage and within 24 hours, that was 10 years in the making. Oh, who was it? Uh, Give me a second. Eddie Hearn interviewed somebody recently. Fuck, it's going to drive me insane. I can't remember who, right? But he was telling them that, um, pretty sure it was him. And he was saying that the Super League thing was 10 years in the making. Like oh, 10 yeah. years ago, there was discussions about this and getting this going. Mm-hmm. And in 24 hours, it's completely scrapped. You've got people making passionate right, speeches yeah, on know. TV, almost close to tears, when really it's just because it was going to lose you away for money. That's kind of what right. it came down to. And, but that managed to, in 24 hours, action was taken. Yeah. Because it was, so they, so they somebody came out and highlighted that, didn't they? They came out and says like, oh, this is what happens when that happens, when this sort of football-related mm-hmm. event happens. Aye. But as soon as it comes to racism, uh, uh, so, right, so, many, so many of these top figures are like, no. Nah. Yeah. So it's, like, yeah, either, it's not in my pocket. You care, no. or, you care or you don't. Like, there was, um, uh, I was on, this was in the Old Firm Facts podcast, and I had made a comparison. These happened at roughly the same time, give or take a few years. Right. Emil Heskey was uh, playing at the Bernabeu for England, monkey chants and they were fine Spanish FA were fine like 8,000 euros yeah. which is hilarious right it's like finding one of us one pence and saying you've got five years to pay it <laughs> and uh, and sh- around about the same time period Nicholas Bentner scored I think for Arsenal in the Champions League and he yeah. lifted his uh, shirt up to show paddy power boxers that's right aye, and because aye, it was aye. in contravention of uh, UEFA sponsorship rules yep. they find them something wild like 60 grand aye, mm-hmm. it's another 50,000 pounds like, so like there's, there's your priorities it, just, it comes down to what's in the pocket for them you know if it's yeah, coming yeah. out of their pocket mm. that's when they care if it's not coming out of their pocket just these wee empty shit. symbolic fines like basically saying listen technically by the rule book we need to find you aye. we'll just make it eight grand and then who cares aye. I know it's crazy like even players as well, the punishment that a player will get for being racist on the part, as opposed to maybe a player that's made a bet, <laughs> done an accumulator. <laughs> you know, they'll, well, they'll get banned for like fair, 18 months and fair, then fair Cadella, what was, what was 10 games. For? Eight months. Eight, Ferdinand was uh, eight, eight months. months. And then Cadella, I think, got 10 or 15 games that's for racially abusing Glen Kamara. And even in that situation, that's still ongoing. He's still getting hate and such. And it's just so annoying. Right, with, <laughs> with Ferdinand, he took his drug test the day later. I actually yeah. uh, listened to it for like the third time, but listening to Sir Alex's uh, biography on right. audiobook and just finished that chapter yesterday. Um, but he's talking about it and he's saying like it was carelessness and he's explaining like there was nobody there and he was told at the start of training, like you're doing your drug test and then he's done his training and then went up the road. They got a hold of him, they came back in, did it a day later, but they're like, no, no, it's too late. If there are drugs in his system, they're not going anywhere within 24 hours. Aye. Um, and I wonder if there's a really a racial element to 
to that. I mean, he made an example of him, but would he have got off if he was a white player? Look at what John Terry got away with. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, I'm saying you think sure. you put it on a given. And then, then get dropped for the, I think it would have been, for the, would it have been the Euro squad? It was 2010. I think it's really important that we keep this conversation going, like in terms of it doesn't end here because it's going to continue. This problem is going to continue if if more people that you know actually do passionately understand that this is wrong don't speak up and don't step up and say we need to do something about this. You know, so I think that we really we really nailed that. Really what we talked about. I I think just to kind of I think you're right and to echo that I think we it, it can be difficult sometimes to keep the conversation going because it's when there's like these flashpoints and when it reels yep. it's like minging head mm-hmm. that you kind of go oh I this exists but in any normal person's day to day life you're not thinking about racial discrimination or, or, or like overt racist behaviour or hatred because it's not in your daily sphere mm-hmm. do you know what I mean yeah. like in your wee bubble uh-huh. and uh, annoyingly and sadly it's only when there's these mega flashpoints that you kind of go all right and it's kind of like whack-a-mole because like but you're, yeah it, it kind of then will go away but then another one will like spring up somewhere yeah, else it's like when, when the Cadella thing happened that was like the first kind of flashpoint in a while and it started kind of raising it again and then it kind of went away and then now we've got all this happening and then it did exactly what you mean it's actually quite a good bit of imagery there whack-a-mole <laughs> well hopefully i think it comes down to maybe you know political leaders stepping up as well, and and we get somebody better than a class clown as the prime minister of the UK, hopefully. Mm. <laughs> but that's just my opinion, <laughs> you know. But I just I think that the I think a lot of people would echo that one. <laughs> yeah, it does kind of stem from that. But I'm glad that we spoke about that, and hopefully things can change for the better. Now, now that we're we're over the Euros and it's kind of come at an end, it's. Feels mad to think that Scottish football has already kind of started back. I know, I know. Like one and another league so, cup's been happening. I thought we would touch on that and maybe t- talk about the Champions League qualifiers, how we think we'll do in them. Um, who's who's we? How well, are we defining we? <laughs> <laughs> because there's some split loyalties here. No, I, I get, Well, that's why like, uh, we, we can talk about Celtic and maybe talk about Rangers. Who do Rangers have in the qualifiers? Like, they, decided that they won't be drawn until like mid-August, uh, I right. believe, and there'll be champions route for the third round qualifying, get through that playoff. It's a pick at that point. Like You could come up against a, a hard team. Yeah, Rangers, like almost absurdly so even in like Gerrard's first couple of seasons no performing brilliantly obviously didn't win anything but in Europe seemed to just always do mm. really well uh, there's like a knack in like, the team for playing Europe why, why, have you got a theory as to why that is because, like is it just I don't know so I, I, it feels I like it's like rising the, the occasion or something uh, I, I think know. the approach that Rangers take in Europe seems to work in the midfielders that we've got right um, if you look at the way that Gerard usually starts, like his midfielders, and they they're, they're good technically, but they all work really, really hard, mm. and then that allows your forward players to just kind of go and express themselves, like your Ryan Kent and Alfredo Morelos. He's in that, and then 
I think the first thing Gerard did as well in that first season season was address the the back line. He brought in Connor Goldson, who's now the front the front man, starting like best centre half at Rangers. It was the first thing he addressed at Rangers because Rangers were scoring plenty of goals mm. before that with Graham Murray as the manager, but they were conceding a hell of a lot. So I think that was the first thing that he he, um, he changed, and, and maybe that helped as well. And also, I think big objectives were probably put on Europe. Like I don't think Ryan Kent's at Rangers right now. If Rangers didn't qualify for the Europa League mm. a couple of seasons back with a last minute goal for Alfredo Morelos, so yeah, I it's just I think it's it's huge huge for Rangers. Well, it was as well a few years ago to qualify, so they put absolutely ever, everything kind of into that. Um, but the Champions League's a different kettle of fish altogether. Although have came up with some, we have played some really good teams in Europa League, but Place these teams by. take it to another level in the Champions League. If you have as much luck as we did in the last couple of times, oh, God help us. <laughs> Even like something I was really really surprised with when I started to pay attention to what was happening up in the top <laughs> echelons of Scottish football was again was the acceptance for some fans of Celtic that they weren't their Champions League level team and club anymore like that completely baffled me I've always no, we've always Celtic been, but there was a lot even my mates and that like nah we're not good enough we shouldn't be there anyway and that and I'm it was almost like there was an acceptance yeah, I think Rangers and Celtic should be minimum in the group stages I'll be, I'll be it's not honest. a given but like I think that should be the expectation and if that doesn't happen there should be consequences like it shouldn't mm-hmm. just I've, be accepted I've, for year and year on I'll be perfectly honest Celtic and Rangers should be champions like clubs every single year that's the way I genuinely like, believe that's of course we should be I hate this sort of and I don't know if maybe you guys are into, but I always hate the side of the support that go I bet Europa League's a bit easier. I'm like, the only way we're going to get better and the only way we're going to is if we consistently qualify. And I know that's difficult, but that should be the expectation. It should be every year too. Maybe yeah. more happy we going, is Europa League's all right? That's no, a exactly. bit I, and I, I hate that. I know, no, he's I I know Europa League's good because yeah. you give a better chance of like how we've done against Lazio and all the rest. It was brilliant, great memories, but... I want us to be getting the money to be able to go in and getting the, the opportunity to play against the top top teams to try and that, look at the teams that, that have builds your club up as well because yeah. you're yeah. Right. Exactly. seen by really a wider is, audience. It really is the only way to be able to compete in, in any capacity in, in Europe because you're not really going to make enough of player transfers, commercial revenue, and what do you get for winning the Scottish Premiership? Like, like two, two and a half million, million like nice. something absolutely Shocking. obscene. Um, Aye, and, and if you want to be punching above your weight, then you have to be there. And then once you drop out of that, as as we as Celtic have done, it's really difficult to make up that shortfall because the financial disparity is just consistently, consistently growing. Like I remember, um, I don't know if you don't know this story, right? But Brian Quinn was the, I'm sure it was Brian Quinn was the chairman of Celtic. This was summer two thousand four, mm. and Peter Lawwell took over. No, sorry, I should have been all three, whatever it was, aye, aye. and. Uh, Law, I whenever Law, Law took over just after, just after Seville, Seville. Actually, but Brian Quinn must have still been on the board. And anyway, long story short, he, le- he tried to leave a voicemail on uh, another Celtic director's phone, but he accidentally phoned a young lassie in Birmingham and left the voicemail on hers, and she took it to the papers because her dad must have realised. But in the voicemail, it's just a kind of funny wee story. But in the voicemail, he it must have been Brian Quinn and he was absolutely slaughtering Martin O'Neill and he said we've got the fourth biggest wage budget in the entire UK which now imagine like it's ahead of I think they're ahead I think they were only behind Man U Liverpool and then it must have been because I don't think even Abramovich had bought Chelsea at that point and maybe just had and it's like now you look 
not that long, maybe for years, but I remember that season as clear as day. Oh, I don't so know. it wasn't <laughs> that long ago that we were the paying yeah. fourth highest wages. Now we can't compete with, mm-hmm. struggle to compete with teams in the, the middle of the championship. Aye. And mm. so if if you drop out of that, that Champions League bracket, then you'll pay the price for it because you're not going to be able to make up that shortfall exactly. anywhere else. And then I feel like you're relying on really punching above your weight and really getting the most that your players to somehow against the odds get there to then just begin to try and get back in an equal, even footing. So, um, I think it's the market inflation the rest is just went against Celtic entirely. Isn't it? Like, I just can't wait the for the bubble. I can't wait for the bubble to burst. Nah, it has to burst. It's going to, oh, no, it's going it's to. It's very to. close. It's well, getting very you see, close. You see the, the nick of teams like Barca and Real Madrid for starters. They've both There's a quote today saying Messi's accepted yeah, a 50% wage. Decrease. And they could make their own rules again, which I saw us beat Barcelona 1-0 at Celtic Park and then watching TV when we drew 0-0 with them in the new camp to then go through. I think we then get beat off Villarreal, which is pure annoying. Uh, I might be wrong now. Um, but you imagine that now saying, aye, we'll go to bar- go to the new camp, draw 0-0, beat them 1-0 at Celtic Park. Mm-hmm. And all right, they're massive global giants and and they're huge, but the disparity wasn't always that big. But aye. now it's just it's become a piss take. Like I saw the the leaked um, wage uh, wages of all the Barca players. People like MTT getting a hundred and eighty grand a week. No, that is mental. I know he's like he's a World Cup winner and all that, but come on, he's man. More hundred and eighty <laughs> grand a, <laughs> no, a week. Uh, yeah. I think that Marco Asensio was on something like four hundred thousand pound a week. <laughs> Like what? Ansu Fati was on like six grand a week, and you're like, <laughs> make this make sense because he's uh, one of the most polishing players in the world. There's uh, something mad about the way the wages have just went. Oh, like I remember when Berbatov sent for Manu, and I was like, thirty million, man, that's mad. It's just mad how much quickly it's increased. But I think we were talking about Celtic, right? For me, looking at it, I think that the a lot of the focus, and you're talking about why why are the fans so acceptance of the fact that we're not a Champions League team. A lot of the fans, it seems like our focus was purely on ten, and the board knew that, and the board knew that none of that will matter if we can just get ten. Do you know what I mean? So I think that the 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 lackadaisical approach, for lack of a better word, throughout the years, kind of led to that decrease in quality, and then. Ultimately, Rangers snatched it, which is unbelievable. When you think, when you think about the position we were in just a few years ago, <laughs> off the back of winning four trebles in a row, but it was just through um, com- com- complete <laughs> through a managed decline and uh, yeah, if you were um, if you were a conspiracy theorist, you would maybe argue that the Celtic board saw more profitability and that sort of Rangers and Celtic head to head so they had a managed decline so that we could then sell a, a more marketable product to broadcasters. That is very 
conspiracy theories. But I'm, I'm going to believe that. By the way, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, like, there's going to be a cup on you, there's going to be a cup on the Kerry Dale meltdown later. Are you conspiracy theories? No, I don't actually. That's going to take one, then. That'll be the headlines tomorrow. Um, no, I don't. Sean McDonald says, "Well, he's like Sean McDonald says Peter Lawwell intentionally destroyed Celtic. When he shot me? Uh, no, when he's not when he shot me. No. Well, he's gone now for the rugby equivalent. So hopefully, um, looking at the actual teams, but the thing that is concerning me for Celtic is the fact that we've actually we need to get bodies in. Man, what's going on? The f- last friendly we had, the back four was like it was a uh, Beaton Welsh." Um, Ralston and Taylor, and you're like, oh, that is that that is like a mid-table mm. SPL. That's, 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 that's a Dundee United. That's a Sunday league team. I about half of that defence is Sunday league. Although I think the 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 club are about to spend a good bit of money, but is it is it too late? It's because you now need to think about quarantines. We've got a Champions League qualifier coming up, vet like imminently. Why is it not done before? He's like his lips, man. Aye. Like, why, why was it not done before now? It's, that's, it's I don't know what Mitchell and are like now, but big, when Rangers big. played them two years ago, absolutely scalped if them, I, like I'm, six I'll or seven two. but going into it, it was a lot made about set pieces, and when we went and played Mitchell and it's long throws, it's constant crosses into the box, and if you go off last season with Celtic, that was their Achilles heel, so it could be a tough I'm tough telling time. you, if they boys on the day they play, if we can't play them next week, I, I, I don't think we'll go through. Are I, they, d- I don't think so. Are they midway through their season, or has it been off because of COVID? Oh, good question. Because normally when, we, when you play a Scandinavian team, team maybe the Euros has affected it slightly. I don't know how I don't that know if it, does, it, does it apply to Denmark? Or is it just the Swedish ones? Because I know Denmark's also just in the border of Germany, yeah, so I don't, I don't know, know if they quite fall into it or no. I'm not entirely know. sure. I'm not confident anyway. Are they the I'm champions as well still? Or th- me played them, they were champs? I think so. Yep. And sure. they've got an ex-Celtic centre-back, Eric Sviachenko, who in his last year or so just drove me absolutely nuts. And I bet he ends up scoring like two goals or something. Papers are still writing that he's in talks with Celtic to come back. I mean, I thought that would have died. It was in the paper the other day. Hopefully we can get him in before the game. <laughs> I don't know. It would be so Celtic if we... <laughs> he puts us out and then we say... Sign him, I know. It's testing. I know. It's testing. I know. Then he can't even play in the next. He's cup tied. So from a Rangers point of view, uh, something that I was thinking about was, do you think that the... Because going into last season, right, when you look at it, a lot of Celtic fans, including myself, thought that the, the league was pretty much certainty. Like, Everybody, there wasn't many people that I knew thought that Rangers were actually going to win it. Even even a lot of Rangers fans, even the most mm-hmm. ambitious Rangers fans, probably would have been like, we'll, we'll give it a bash, but we probably won't. Because we just won four, like I said, we won four trips. There was no reason to think that that would happen. Um, Logic would have dictated that things would have just continued the way they were, but mm-hmm. then you had Neil Lennon in charge. And, uh, you had to, like, honestly... He makes Brian Clough look like a modern manager. <laughs> <laughs> but my, my question there was going to be that now that the the pre- like so Rangers were able to play with a lot of freedom and the fact that there was there was obviously pressure because the fans wanted you to stop with time, but there wasn't there didn't appear to be like a real expectation that that was actually going to happen. Whereas now you are the champions in the winter of the season, so it seems like there'll be more pressure and a, a different sort of dynamic going into next season. Do you think that will affect the team? Time will tell, won't it? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, last, mean, I hope it does. Lot, last season, a lot of your players went to another level, a level that maybe even a lot of Rangers fans thought they couldn't go to. 
like Tav and Connor Goldson I mean, that had made multiple kind of mistakes going into the season. People were saying they weren't good enough and such, and then they go out and have a really good season. Um, Ryan Kent, he had a, a brilliant season as well. And I like, we'll see. I've seen the argument about all oh, with the fans be back. Will Will Rangers Will Rangers crumble? I, I don't think they will. To be honest, I, <laughs> I really I don't think. see how. I think we're in a good place right now. Um, the squad's strong. They're building on the squad. Oh, It'll be tough. Like. If, once you get to the top of the mountain, like you need to have a real desire and you need to have something about you if, to try and stay there. It's it's harder to retain than it is to win it, isn't it? Like, that's, that's what they say. So, I, Just hope. She, I, I think I think they're in a good position anyway. A situation with the squad and that. I think the momentum um, and the confidence factor is going to be with Rangers. I think even as a Celtic fan, you have to look at it objectively and, and look at it logically. They've just won the league, confidence is riding high, they've got a team that they seem to have, you've not lost any players, have you? Have you no, no transfers are in No, them? the only two, oh, yeah. there's only rumours about Morelos, but the fee seems to be pretty low, and then Glenn Camaro obviously had a good Euro, so... Mm. So, I mean, you've, you've, you've kept the bulk of a winning team together. Like you say, it's time will tell, because obviously it's a very unusual circumstance and sort of dynamic with not being fans and pressure relieved I mean saying about players playing above themselves and, and surpassing the expectations of fans I think the players some of the players surpassed their own expectations because mm -hmm. I remember your man Tavernier maybe he'd been beaten 1-0 off Hamilton and he wrote in the programme notes we sometimes uh, can't, can't handle it when teams get in our faces uh, I think sorry. it was Hearts sorry what Hamilton Hearts I think 10 Castle 1-0 oh, really Scottish Cup that was in the programme but uh, I think, I think that was, we'll, well, the time will tell but I think the ball's certainly in their court but I think Sir Alex Ferguson said it didn't he that it, it's one thing getting to the top but staying Still there is, yeah. the, is the mark I think well, no, absolutely. Time, I see also the fact that we're going to be back in the stadiums now like pretty much full stadiums so, let's yeah, say yeah. by October, November mm -hmm. let's hope and so, it's going to be not only is everybody going to be sort of their, their excitement galvanised and like reignited and stuff mm -hmm. but it, it's going to be good and there's a total we don't know what's going to happen with Ange Postacoglu Kerry says fucking I don't mean it to be um, we don't know what's going to happen with him we, we are like you could say to me um, right Ange and, and Stephen Gerrard are going to play table tennis right and I will somehow come up with a 10 point argument of why <laughs> Ange will win that table tennis game but in reality not get a clue we don't know what's going exactly. to happen, and it makes me feel ill and excited. Well, that's why that's like why fans back in October, though. The only thing we're at is the league maybe one again. I mean, I'm just but but that's, so that's exactly the, the point I was, was going to come to. You might not have it. The, the, the point stadium. I was going to come to is that's the main thing. You're saying time will tell. Well, the big thing to tell over time is whether or no Celtic can actually apply pressure this season. One thing, and that's going to be the big thing, is it, can Celtic number one get to the point where they are applying pressure on Rangers, but number two, how do Rangers? deal with that pressure because there was not one point at last season whatsoever even after the first derby he's were ah, clear by like, how many points after the first derby I think he's were seven eight points clear already I think I put six points clear and from but that was, point the on, biggest kind of pressure, no pressure game in the season was probably when Celtic came to Ibrox and even at and that they played really well at the time we all see Rangers never had a shot on target and still won the game that was probably at the, the time, closest that it was I, in I terms of pressure I cringe because even I was a part of the big sort of majority of people who were going you know what this is a chance to put the pressure on them could try and turn the tide but see when you look back now, even if we won that game we're still going to be God knows how many points there was no chance right. of us catching Rangers we're even if we won we're, that we're hedging our bets this season that we're going to have a very good manager who's going to get more than you would expect out of a very mediocre squad right now maybe people would disagree with me on that but I would say 
the squad at best is is no much better than mediocre, and that's before the threat of losing people at like Ayer, Eduard, even Ryan Christie, um, who's obviously. I wouldn't even say split opinion. I think people have made up their minds on, <laughs> on Christie over the last year. But I think when he's gone, that talent, there will be a, a hole there. Yeah. And it's who do we who do we replace him with? I think it's going to be a big year for people at like Karamoka and Billy and stuff. And I'll be in a Yeti top scorer. I honestly time. think, I really think he's, again, based on early signs, like everything's set up for him to go and have a good season. If he can uh, play he a system that's going to suit him, he's, he's, he's lost a bit too stone, which makes me... Well, why did you have two stone to lose? <laughs> you had a full fucking year. Like, the biggest thing was that Celtic could have signed Ivan Tony, and they chose that, Albion. Mate, Ayeti. Honestly, unlucky, unlucky lads. Heard that so many times. See that a part about Ivan Tony? That that is like is it forty goals he scored. That's a lot. See, seeing that it's along the lines of saying, "What do you call this?" And it's a picture of your dressing gown. You're like, "Gonna fuck off!" Like we've, we've had this debate. <laughs> we've had this conversation. I mean, I'm not even going to say all oh, we can add Tony because at the time I was like, "Get a yeti." I wanted a yeti over Tony. I'm lying about it. So I'm not going to exactly go. We could have. Right, hindsight is a wonderful thing. Aye, aye. When you're talking about fitness, though, um, there was actually there's been a big debate about the whole how what was the squad's fitness like, and there was I can't say who because it, it was it was it was off the record so to speak, but there was a guy I was talking to a couple of years ago. Was it Beans? <laughs> it was not Beans, no. But uh, the, he was he was saying to me, and he had a prominent part in Celtic's background team when Lennon was at the first time. Mm-hmm. Like, well, he. So I so when he he was telling me that when when they came in, um, he was saying that the squad was like all of them, the majority of them were like vastly overweight and and not the type the fitness was all over the place. And he told me this right as like Roger left, and I was like, all right. And then I seen Lennon disappointed, and I was like, I think we may be in trouble here. No, that's <laughs> right. it's, no, it's no secret, isn't it? Yeah. Because even when Ronnie Dyla came in, the first thing he said when he sat down the press conference, he sat with John Collins. So John Collins is in a better shape than ninety percent of these lads. Yeah. And John, yeah. Co- I know John Collins. Is a, John though, Collins John. is obviously a physical specimen. He's he kept is. himself in fantastic nick, but it's no near fifty-year-old man should be fitter that than a the, whole squad. That was the biggest thing I was championing as well when Rangers were miles off it. I thought try and make your team fitter than them because you're not going to match them for quality. If you're so not be doing, fitter than them. Get in their faces. Uh, make it hard for them. Don't make it easy, and maybe you'll get something. If you you have to, I mean, these are the fundamental pillars of, of being a, a, individually an athlete and as a team, a successful team. Like that is the, your absolute bread and butter is your fitness. I remember Neil Lennon then using his pals in the press to to then have a pop at Ronnie Dyer saying, "Who's he?" Question my thing me. Aye. Like he's he's been completely shown up there. Aye, um, absolutely, and it's. He, he, he's he's just a pure old like I say he makes Brian Clough look like a modern <laughs> manager he was very much go out and win now you're the best he's got more ability you're technically better yep. players just go out and win instead of playing to, to a certain specific direction and football has evolved at a breakneck speed even in the last five years and he's been way left behind and we've paid the price for it the last five years of football has been the quickest I think it's ever evolved ever like in terms of how well the, the game has went in terms of athletic like, like, I think it's the last 10 years like these fine, fine margins and whether it's whether it's like tracking or it's just that same sort of argument people go sports science we don't use sports science yes you do 
You need sports uh, science to compete in the modern manager game. Manager sports science. <laughs> Mourinho hated the sports uh, science uh, in that documentary. Everything they come to you. I did that because he was it was just pure slot the doctor as well. Like pure shouting him is like sorry. Like what is it you want him to do uh, here about this boy's broken bone or whatever? Like, <laughs> no, I think it was one of them. Was son had a broken finger though, and he was like, he can't play. Mate, shut up. Can Son says he can play his plane. This is the kind of old fashioned way like just refused to take the injured player. That's probably why Mourinho's <laughs> fallen in the way that he has Aye. because he's no he's not adapted. Look at the longevity of Sir Alex is that he would always adapt. adapt. He would change his approach, he would change the way he dealt with players, he would change the way he dealt with even agents. And if you just if you're so arrogant and stubborn that you won't mm-hmm. adapt, you'll die off. It's that, pure sportsmanship. I, I, I think Sir Alex is the greatest manager ever. Without question. No, it's not, it's not, not a conversation. Well, people are not people nowadays are going, oh Pep Guardiola. No, 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 I think Pep's no, probably no, the best coach ever, but, but foot, aye, he's foot. the best manager ever, man. Like exactly. there's foot, no debate. I, mean, I love him. Football managing a, a, a club the way that he did is far beyond the the sort of tactical um things aye. that you, you implement and it's far beyond your style of play and it's that's far more than that, and like, nobody will ever uh, compare to Sir Alex. Uh, they, they won't get no, the chance. No, no guy, exactly. That's the rev- thing. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, the revolving door is so quick now, and yeah. he'll not get the chance, which is good because he is the greatest. And I don't want him to air for him. It must drive them mental that their best manager in the Premier League is a Scottish guy. Somebody There was a point in two What's his name? Liverpool. Ian no, no Paisley, Shankly, right, Shankly, aye. Um, but no, there was a point, me and my dad always used to talk about this, see in 2019, there was a point there was over 10 Scottish managers yeah, in yeah, the Premier League. David, David Moyes, David Moyes Steve Keane was at Blackburn, Paul Lambert, Paul Lambert Steve Clark, Steve Clark, West, West, West Brom maybe about that time. It was obviously aye. fair game, missed him out, Alec McLeish was at Birmingham. I don't think English tons. managers ever win the Premier League. It could no, be wrong. Never, not, not I don't one, think they not have. One, no. Not one. Not Which is absolutely mental, isn't it? Really? No, not, not one. Not, not, one, not, not one English in manager. The modern, in the modern era, aye, but the 1990 Kenny Douglas won it with Blackburn, didn't he? That's right. Aye, Douglas won it with Blackburn, Fergie, Vengar, Mourinho, Klopp, Pep, Conte, Mancini, Pellegrini. That's there the you names, go. that's all the managers there. It is mad how Scotland has, like, Scottish people have shaped that ever. game, didn't yeah, they? Like, if you say, go back to Shankly, I think he took over Shankly at Liverpool when Liverpool won the second division. It wasn't and he totally turned them down. I know, he never got yeah. the yeah. European Cup that he sought after, but he built the they foundation. Go to, go to and then Crosby yeah. with Man United, when he took over at Man United, they were nowhere near where they were, that's and he took them to the heights of the European Cup as well. It's probably why the English expect that they'll do far better in tournaments because they say well we've got the best league and it's like your league is what it is because of the foreign imports ah, that come into it for mm, north of the border mm. and, and further afield was that that was kind of a safe track discussion I like that it was a good goal wasn't it for the halfway line no, <laughs> <laughs> um, no but because you were saying about Alex Ferguson I've, I've said this a few times in the podcast when we talk about Mourinho and stuff is that the the managerial style of of you know Getting at players and getting in their face seems to have changed to where you can be, you know, you can be respected. But a lot of the best managers now, like your Klopp's and Guardiola's, they almost come across like father figures to the yep. players. It's almost like there's a bond there. So you know, because at the end of the day, that's what the, the the way the game has changed to where guys are on like two hundred thousand pound a week, 
So if the manager pisses them off, they're like, I'm away, mate. I can play for every club in the world. I don't give a fuck what you think about this. So I think there's a kind of 50-50 to that, though. There's mm. part of the, the part players are becoming more and more sort of like, they, they, they have the feeling they can run it, and the agents have got mm. a big part in that, and then there's a 50%. So I'll maybe the manager's sort of blame, because I love it. Mourinho is a prick, but I love him. I'll always love him. He's just such a... He should have come to sell it, man. He was like, pure opposite <laughs> what I expected, though, in the documentary. Yeah. And I don't know if that's just because the cameras were on, and he was maybe trying to change his approach at Spurs, but mm. he just seemed he he looked like a father figure to me there, Aye. but it just seemed like it did, didn't work for him. There's probably an element of the manager's personality, but they'll also very carefully choose who they choose to come in at a player that fits into their ethos or their approach. So is that Yerny clashing like Paul Pogba? Maybe is, I don't think he's a bad guy at all, but I think he maybe goes against that type of ethos, very individualistic. Yeah. Like I heard the mm-hmm. story about him, like. Which I think is funny, like turning up to training in a chauffeur driven Rolls Royce, not that. Like, oh my <laughs> god. And like, I think it was Love Sir Alex or whatever, or, or, or like Gunnar Solskjaer phoning Sir Alex. I'm like, how do I kind of deal with this? And it's like, that's why you have to sort of hand pick who actually comes in. You have to be able to fit into that system as opposed to the, the system sort of bending around you. So therefore, it can be easier to manage your team mm-hmm. and have them all pulling in, the, in the, the same direction yep. like a Carlos Tevez is one that springs to mind like they just let him go because like, he was becoming disruptive yep. I talked about Man U when he went to Man City Man's they were right. like it's a lost cause even if we keep him he's pulling in a different direction anyway and that yeah. can be more harmful like no matter how good a player you are exactly well listen this has been a lot of fun yes um, it's been great very much so time flies so when we're having fun exactly but uh, just before we wrap up is there any way to plug for what you're coming up next because I know these are all putting out content and doing Aye. all sorts of things. So, um, if you want to just, you know, so is there anything coming up that you want to talk about? Yeah. Yeah. Go elevator pitch for TSF. Go elevator pitch. What the fuck's an elevator? Ninety seconds. Go. Ninety, 90 seconds. <laughs> uh, subscribe to TSF. So more. <laughs> new no, season. New season. New podcast. Aye. New guests. You know? We obviously do a, a Scottish football podcast, just talking about all things Scottish football, top leagues all the way down. Alec Ferguson all the way down. There you go. <laughs> exactly. Well, in this studio as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I had to get Sorry, G4. It's not true. I'm, I'm, start, I'm starting, a, I'm starting a studio beef. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> my um, money's on Paul. So, <laughs> my money's on Paul. <laughs> I know that. You don't want to, did you see that beef I haven't been? Oh, we won't go into that. Anyway, <laughs> so what's happening with Blethered? Uh, there's quite a lot going on. Um, I suppose the first thing I would mention, if anybody was interested, um, there is Blethered is the official podcast of Transmit 2021. Ooh. So I partnered with him, which is quite cool. So uh, uh, the way we're doing that is there's going to be a, a sort of mini-series released uh, speaking to artists that have performed that or are performing at Transmit. So we've got, coming up, we've got Aaron McDonald, The Snuts, um, Dylan John Thomas, a few more. Um, that'll just wait until they're finished. Um, a few big ones. And I'll be presenting backstage coverage at Transmit, which I'm really looking forward to, getting to sit down with people like Liam G and that. Hopefully that'll That's be quite cool. Yeah. Um, and I, there's a, a blethered live show. It was supposed to be the Fringe. Got asked to do it in 20, 2020. Obviously that fucking... I don't even need to explain why it didn't happen. Aye. We're supposed to be doing it again um, at a really cool venue. But we couldn't get guarantees on dates because there's like the, the DMAs get cancelled, right? So see if they are getting cancelled. I can also <laughs> deal with it. I'm not gonna take it too personally. Uh, so there is another live show which is gonna be at St. Luke's. So I'll um I'll keep people posted with that if anybody wants to come. Uh, I've got a really cool guest, a really, really exciting guest. 
I'm not saying who it is just yet. Um, but the I will teaser. do in, in due course if, if anybody wants to get involved or if you don't I'll go fuck myself whatever <laughs> <laughs> we've got David Pugh either, either, either <laughs> just, yeah we've got McGinley and we've got McGinley woohoo well that's some lineup, man that's I'm actually cheers mate I'm looking forward to it it's been uh, the transmit stuff's been good been working on it for for months kind of in the background just kind of it was subject to it being fully approved but now it's approved we can kind of get going so um, looking forward to that um, it'll be fun, right? Doing the sort of backstage presenting stuff. I like that. I like on camera stuff. It's yeah. it's good fun. Good uh, stuff. Well, listen, this was like I said, I wasn't twenty minutes to flew by. So thanks a lot for coming in, and I hope everybody enjoys the Euro Roundup show. Thanks, thanks for having us, mate.